I'd like you to just join me in this, if you will, and say, Lord in heaven, open my ears, open my eyes, open my heart. Let me know truth. And Lord, that is true. Let it come into me and change me, transform me, excite me, put me on the path that you have prepared for me today and for us together and for your kingdom. We bless you. We thank you. We want to obey you. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand, please. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing up. Well, you've probably received a couple emails, some of you and some of you wherever you're at, uh, yesterday. One was announcing the service and what our theme was. And the other one was an open letter that I prepared uh, with much prayer and I have to tell you, uh, with a strong anointing. I don't boast of such things, but I was so under the power of the anointing as it came forth, and the Lord helped me to put the pieces together that were percolating inside of me. We're going to give you a handout at the end of the service, or you could give it now, it doesn't matter. I'd give it at the end of the service because I don't want people reading it now. If you're reading that, you won't be listening to me, so you'll get it at the end of the service. Some of it will be in there. Uh, some of it is uh, the letter that you received. Uh, one of them is our prayer points and the fast points. And the other one is a uh, discipline. Actually, it was written by Bill Bright, and it just gives you all the do's and don'ts and pluses and the, the medical things about fasting, which uh, we've handed out to you before, but it's good to have. So yes, we are entering into our 21-day fast as a ministry and a church. I invite all who can to join. Somebody, everyone can do something. Do you remember the message that Sam preached to you? Lord, I can't do everything, but I can do something. And that I can do, I ought to do, and by the grace of God, I shall do. You can do something. For some of you, the hardest thing for maybe you to lay aside is coffee. Coffee. Coffee's not good in a fast. Read the thing that it says. You say, oh, I can't do with my coffee. Yes, you can. You might have a headache for a day or two, but if you pray that away, it'll go. You'll cleanse your body, and you'll get yourself sensitized to the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to read a little bit of what I wrote and gleam off of it and get into some points quickly. But I said that my spirit is stirring with excitement, and it is, and it has been. And yesterday I was over the top. I was off the page with the excitement of God percolating inside of me. And there's been a single theme that's resonating, and that theme is transformation. Now, I want to deal with that in a moment, but the Spirit of God is calling us in this hour, in the present now, to pursue an encounter with Him and to perfect our lives and to allow Him to transform. Listen to me a moment, because this is a bit radical. To transform your spiritual identity. You say, Pastor, is that possible? Well, it might go up against the stream of a lot of teachings that we've received for a long time about finding our identity, walking into our identity, being in our identity. But I want to share with you how the Lord, in some ways and most paths, changes identity. I believe the windows of heaven are open right now. Right now, the windows of heaven are open to ignite a spirit. And it's a spirit-powered fire here in the present now that's going to burn with fervor throughout this new year and into the next year. This is a prophetic word, not only for this year, but it's for a season. It's going to percolate into the next year. And it's an alignment, but it's a transformation. God is going to work a transformation. And it's going to be in multiple areas. In these last days, and I don't think I have to convince anybody who has an ear to hear and an eye to see that we are in the last days. How last are they? Only the Lord knows, but I think we're farther closer to those last days than the generations were before us. I believe this is the generation that's called to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. That's the last of the last days. What happens in the last days? This much I know. Jesus, our Messiah, 
will come. And I do know that he's going to come to a church that he wants to be glorious without spot or wrinkle. And part of what is happening for this transformation is to begin to work in you and I first, to become members of that bride so that there is a bride that is glorious without spot or wrinkle. And sadly enough, I've preached this for a long time, and I think your eyes are opening. Not everybody's going to come. Not everybody that says they're in the body of Christ is willing to walk in obedience in the body of Christ. I believe that just as there's going to be an outpouring and many are calling for revival and awakening, there's going to be a cutting away. And that cutting away is going to become very, very divisive. It's going to become very decisive. Every time there's been a move of God, there's been those who have moved and those who have not. There's been those who have gone and those left behind. There's been those that say, that's God and I'll follow, and there's those who have criticized. Expect the same now. If you're going to walk in the power and the truth and the obedience and the humility and the purity of God Almighty, expect that you will become a foreigner to many that you think are walking with you. You will see that some will reject it and continue on as usual. Patty got a word that it's a transfer and then the transformation. And I agree with that. It's a transfer of all that's good. It's a time for us to empty out the wine sacks so that something new can come. And what is new, we thought, has now become old. Pentecostalism as a form can be passed on, but it's old. Charismatic in a form can be transferred and passed on, but it's old. The religious norms that we've received are good, and they bring us to a place, but we're not supposed to stay in that place. And we of all people, God has used this house in a mighty way. I have to tell you that as the Lord was telling me to release this word, I shared with Ralph and Patty and a few others that I felt a little bit intimidated again. I said, Lord, we're just a small voice crying out in the wilderness. Does that sound familiar? And the Lord said, what's so new about that? He said, look at my son Gideon. Gideon had his head in the hole. He was a farmer with his head in the hole in the ground. The only thing sticking up was his butt. And the Lord cried out to him and called him and told him he was a warrior, but he was a farmer. Moses, stuttering, hiding from a murder charge in Egypt. The Lord calls him out and sends him out of the most strange place. Abram gets called out of the land of Ur. Saul gets met on the road to Damascus, completely in a different frame of mind, and he becomes Paul. Simon is a fisherman, uneducated, even as they cried out and said, who's this uneducated man that's given this eloquent speech with power? So much that 3,000 people were saved in a single day in his first time out. I'm not sure that Simon Peter ever saw that again. That was the biggest revival probably in his ministry. And you, me, you can talk about yourself. I'll talk about me for a second. I'm the most unlikely person for God to have dumped his Holy Spirit upon. And here we sit in a little place, Canfield, Ohio. I said, Lord, this word that you're telling me it's transformational. He said, yes, I've given you multiple words that have been transformational, and you've seen what I've done with them. And he said, son, I, I bring you up and I set you down. It's not yours to determine how and what and when you do if you will follow me again. So I said, Lord, I'll release this word, but I don't know what's going to happen with it. I mean, sometimes we're so few people, but, but I'll do it. I'll do it and I'll believe it and I'll walk in it. And so I, I penned this open letter and sent it out. And then as the Lord awakened me, and a few of you told me the same thing, you couldn't sleep all night. I couldn't sleep all night. My wife couldn't sleep all night. I was up. I was up after one hour of sleep, every half hour, till finally I just said, I'm done with this. And I got up and I kept waiting until Sonny answered me so I could go pick him up and come in here. Because I was just walking around, babbling to myself. You know, we, the Lord encouraged me multiple ways because as of last night when i found out that our sound man jp and our Dwayne, our producer 
are sick and not coming in, and some of the other key core people were sick and not able to make it. I was a little discouraged, but not in a bad way. I still had the peace of God. But lo and behold, this morning, many of you stepped up, and for one of the first times, I wasn't the first person in here. And you came ahead of me, and the way was prepared, and literally, I, I, I didn't have to do anything except praise the Lord. And my phone began to light up in the middle of the night from Singapore, from Asia, from different parts of this country, from Pakistan, from Africa. Began to light up and people would receive that word and it resonated inside of them. And the confirmations came and they said, Pastor Frank, we want to walk this journey with you. This is God. Two Christian networks, the two largest ones, responded. We want to use that word out of a little place of nowhere, done with a pen in the middle of nothing, because the word of the Lord, when it's true, resounds and goes out. So, beloved, we're a, we're a lighthouse here, and wherever you're at, we're a lighthouse. I pray, God, we, we stay humble. We're not arrogant. We don't count numbers. We don't count money. We just want to be there for the word of the Lord. So, just like the place of next went out to the world and we announced it here, and some received and some didn't. And sure enough, the whole world went to a place of next, which it has not returned from and will not. But our place of next is not the world's place of next. Our place of next that we transferred into in the last 28 months, that place of next got us to a place where he showed us he would give us the provision that we needed. And now he's asking us, what will you do with it? And in that place, in that place, God calls a people to a place and then changes their identity. He called Abram out of Ur and changed his identity. And Abraham became a father of all. And out of him came a covenant that blesses all the nations and still blesses you and I. Even the covenant that promised Jesus would come. Same thing happened to Jacob. And in that identity, in the middle of a wilderness, <laughs> his identity changed. He became Israel. Israel, the people of God from whom gave us the Messiah. Our Lord Jesus. Saul called out of nowhere, and out of him goes the covenant of grace to the Jews and Gentiles alike. And Simon, who the Lord gives the utterance that would have the anointing to be a rock to build the church of Jesus Christ that keeps on growing. Can you believe with me that God is calling you today? Can you believe? And the Lord is saying, who will believe? Who will believe the report of the Lord? Many of this will fall off of them. Just like New Year rituals. I'm going to lose 30 pounds. I'm going to, you know, the people that get the blessed the most at New Year's are the ones who have gyms. People go, they buy their memberships. They think by buying the membership, they're going to get healthy. They go once or twice and never go back. And they're their membership goes up, and then all of a sudden it goes down, but they don't care because they got the money. They'd rather not have you there. Just want your money. It's the same way. The Lord's calling us. Who will hear? Who will listen? This isn't a message for those who are fooling around and playing with their, with their uh, faith. This is a message for those who want to get serious. But I'll tell you something. I wouldn't want to be on the other side of that because Jesus is coming. And I want you to also know that he's coming and the body of Christ will be divided into goats and sheep. Not the unbelievers and the believers. That's easy. The Lord says, be hot or cold. I understand that. But the sheep and the goats will be divided. And that division is going to hit the body of Christ like nothing you've ever seen this year and next year. And there will be those who will call it lunacy. They will call it being fanatic. They will call it all sorts of things to make an excuse to buy time. But the Lord says, watch and be careful because at coming a time you know not. But God is gracious. It's like people asking me, oh, do you think that, that this COVID, is this the thing? Is this the one about the 666? Is the, the vaccine, is this and that? Listen, listen to me. I don't care about all of that. I don't care if you vaccinate or don't vaccinate. I could care less. It's what the Lord puts in your heart to do. You do it. I know nothing will hurt you. I believe that with all my heart when you walk in that faith. 
whether you do or you don't. But this I do know, that's not the 666. That vaccine is not that. God will not confound his people to not understand. He's not going to make it a roulette wheel where I might or I may not know. The Lord is clear if we listen. We will know when the time comes to make some strong choices about what we will do and not do. And those who are walking with God will declare it, they'll know it, they'll receive it. Don't be fearful about any of that. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a sound mind. We have the mind of Christ. We know, and we will know. And that spirit of delusion that's being released upon the earth and has been released upon the earth can only come upon you if you open the window and let it in. And so, as we take this path in this journey, I'd like to turn to Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. If somebody's there, please. Just a few scriptures we're going to be going through. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. One of the things we know is that in these last days, that's the now as far as I'm concerned. The last days is the now. The last days aren't a latter time. We're in the latter days. So if you accept that, then we can understand the prophetic word of God that was given already for us in Holy Scripture. And we can put that into our time and our season and our lives and begin to guide ourselves that way. And Isaiah 61 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord shall rise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Beloved, listen to me. There's no glory going to shine upon anybody in this earth until the gross darkness is overcome in the earth. Do you understand that? But I have to tell you that some of the preaching you're getting is a little bit arse backwards, if I may say. It's telling you there's going to be a great revival and awakening, and then the glory of the Lord will pour out upon No. There's gross darkness, and the darkness is coming in and creeping in fast. All over the earth. All over the earth. You don't even have to turn on your local news channels or watch the network news. You know gross darkness is coming over the earth. It's trying to creep into your homes. It's trying to keep into your lives. It's trying to creep into every facet of it. Gross darkness is released upon this earth. But the good news is that there's an opportunity for intensifying light. Say intensifying light. The light intensifies where there's dark. Now do this, and I'm sure you've done it before. Go into a very dark place. Get it as dark as you can get it. Close your closet door. Put a little flicker of light in it. What do you see? Do you see the dark or the light? How many of you can find your way with just a little bit of light in a very dark place? One of the things that my wife and do in our house, if one of us is up and the other sleeping, we grab our cell phone and we just turn it on and put the light down so we can see where we're walking. And in the complete dark, we stumble over nothing. How many of you, when you're trying to fix something or see something, you say, Siri, turn on my flashlight. And you put the flashlight and all of a sudden you see clearly. It could be dark all around it, but it's light. There must be darkness to have light. And I want you to understand and know that the light is intensifying. I want you to be excited about it. I want you to know that you are the light. Now, let's go to this. During the next 21 days, starting tomorrow, midnight tonight, we're kickstarting a season. And think of it that way. We're kickstarting a season of time, and we're in the pursuit of the power of God. Why are we going to do this? We want to pursue the power of God. We want to pursue the power of God. We're going to call upon Him. We are going to do the things He's asked us to do. And I can tell you with all confidence God's going to answer. Why? Because that's His Word. I'm not standing on what I want. I'm not standing on a motivational talk. I'm standing on the fact that, God, this is what you said. And if we obey and do what you tell us, you say you will do that. He will. He will. First of all, we're going to seek God for personal transformation. At this point, what I'd like you to do is make a covenant. Hold that covenant with God. Think about it a moment. Am I willing 
Am I willing to pursue a personal transformation? Am I willing to let go and let God? Something comes with it. Corporate transformation for our church. So we've broken this into three weeks because it's a 21-day fast, the first seven days. We're going to be focusing on moi and yourself because the Lord has a lot of work to do with me and only you can say if he does with you. You're going to allow him to strip us. God can't rebuild until he tears away. God can't transform until we're willing to walk out of those things and those cultures and those norms. And as we fast and we pray and we seek God, with a pure heart, making time for it. He will show us those things and prepare us. Who are we that we could even pray for preparation of the church or kingdom if we're not first prepared? So it's a time for you and I. It's a preparation, a transformation for you. The second week, a corporate transformation. Yes, for our church. Yes, for our church. We're not being selfish. Because God has called you as a very peculiar people. He's given you a very peculiar pastor. He's put you in a very peculiar place. And when we move and do what God tells us to do, it quakes around the world and then we settle back into whom we are in our own little private way. But not this time. No, I'll share more as we get into the second and third week. There's some very mighty radical transformations coming. I know it, I see it, I believe it. And I'm going to pursue it, and I hope you do with me, both of you here and there who can't be with us. And I hope that we become those who are like Gideon's army. You know, God did a lot with a little. That's the way God does it, doesn't he? He does a lot with a little. I believe that we have the blessing and the opportunity to be the little to do a lot. I believe that with all my heart. And my encouragement is my phone lit up through the night, and the messages came in from the different parts of the world. All I did was was get on my phone and, and I'm not that technical and just sent some, a copy of the message out on messages and WhatsApp and boom, it lit up. This church has been asked to help lead the Global Prayer Network January 14th because of that. Because of that. And others are, you'll hear it, you'll start hearing this message, others are going to be using it. It's because it's the word of the Lord. And we are so blessed and privileged that God entrusts us with us. But it comes with a responsibility. What shall we do with the word of the Lord? Shall we just go about life? And what are our priorities? What is, what is, what is our passion? What is our zeal? So second week, corporate transformation for our church. Third week, preparation, transformation for the kingdom. We are called to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Now, I had somebody whom I admire very much, and I mentored under him for a while, and he's very important in my life, and we still remain a relationship, one of the most largest ministries in the world. And he got frustrated with me one time because he would try to pull me into other themes, other passions, other things, and one of them was the supernatural, and it was this and that. And I said, listen, that's all good. I'm all for it. I'm for the faith message, the supernatural message, the wisdom message, the love message. I'm for it all. But God has called me to leave my heart open to help prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. That's how he made me. That's the first assignment he gave me. And I entered into a covenant with him. And I'm telling you, that we're going to enter in to begin to do that in an intensifying way in the gross darkness as we move out of this fast and we walk where we're supposed to go. I don't even know where we're supposed to go. How's that sound? I think it's the right thing. Abram, come out of that land. Where am I going? I don't know where you're going, Abram. I know where you're going. You just go. Moses, I can't go there, Lord. Yes, you can. Paul, they're going to kill me. Go. Simon, I'm stupid. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just a fisherman. Gideon with his head in the ground. All your prophets. How about, how would you like to be Jeremiah? You know, that's what the Lord said to me. Oh, you feel sorry for yourself, you idiot? He said, read Jeremiah. I started to read Jeremiah. His word was coming from the prison. He was in a prison. Who did he think was going to get that word? I don't even know how it got out. 
but his word was profound. Paul wrote his best works in prison. So beloved, who are we to think that God can't use someone like us or you or you? No, God isn't going to use mega churches and ministries to send out his message because guess what? And I say this without offense. God needs to do a revival within the body of Christ. Who are we to revive outside when we need revived? And within the body of Christ, that revival must go to the largest wherever they are. And whom shall receive shall receive. And do you think it's an accident of God that people one by one are going home? Is that an accident of God? I can't share with you a word that I gave somebody that went home in the last month. They rejected the word of God and I cried with my wife. That was five years ago. I said, he won't be here for the next move of God. And when that happened, I said, oh my God, here's the next move of God. Here's the next move of God. You should be getting excited, but also we do it with the fear of the Lord. Beloved, I wouldn't do you any good and I wouldn't be a, 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 an honorable voice of the Lord if I didn't preach the fear of the Lord. I have to tell you that what has kept me in check, even when I've gone left or right and fallen and gone and got caught up in things, is the fear of the Lord. The one thing that has always brought me back and held me strong is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's the foundation of all wisdom. When people begin to not fear the Lord, they begin and still say the things of the Lord, they begin to develop and increase and walk in their own kingdom. And they get confused and they believe their kingdom is the kingdom of God, but it's not. God's kingdom has nothing to do with man's flesh. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. John the Baptist began to get it, even when he wasn't sure that it was the Messiah. And he was called out in the wilderness. I know how he had to feel. Preaching to birds and, and, and crocodiles and and, and wild animals and boars and eating berries and nuts. And everyone's saying he's gone loony. Look at him. He doesn't even dress or smell good. Crying out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And that's who we are. So hopefully we smell better and look a little better. But that's okay if we don't. And guess what? We're going to start eating nuts and berries in our fast in the wilderness transformation for the kingdom let me tell you about spiritual transformation first of all I'm going to tell you what it's not it's not a sensation actually Sonny and where's that songwriter Ralph at I received a, a little word of the Lord on my way in to pick you up Sonny and, and it was that transformation is not a sensation I said, what? He said, transformation is not a sensation. And he said, transformation is a change of your name. Wow. Every one of the mega moves of God have resulted in people changing their identity. Now, to some, that, that may not be a word you want. You say, well, I've waited all my life to walk into this identity. No. You waited all your life to be able to move from the identity of the glory you're in and to move into another glory, to where you're going. And the Word of God says you're coming out of that glory and you're moving into another glory. The Word of God says you're emptying that old wine sack and you're preparing a new wine sack so that I can pour new, fresh wine in. And transformation, Sonny, this is what he gave me. I'm picking on you, brother. This man walks with one of the most pure hearts I've ever met in my life. He's pure. Not because he's perfect, Sonny. Sorry about that. Stacy and I talk. That's his wife. No, because he strives to be pure. He works on having a pure heart. That's what God honors. Simple purity. And the Lord also told me this, that it must come with an identity change. And I said, Lord, what does that mean? Are, are we going to start changing our names, our spiritual names? And the answer I got comes out of the book of Revelation. He's already given you a new name. 
You may or may not get that new name here on earth. You may not know what it is, but you'll get when you get there. But there's a process. Paul shared it with us. It's a process of perfection. And Paul himself said, I've not yet gotten there, but I'm striving to get there. I haven't apprehended, but I'm working towards it. And he knew he wasn't going to get there till he got there. It's, it's called shalom. The word is shalom in the Hebrew. Shalom, not shalom. Shalom. And it means to perfect. It means to move towards a process. And God is opening a window in heaven for us to move into that process. To begin to walk towards a stronger identity in God. Are we willing to let Him change our name? As I thought about that, it's a little frightful. But it's also liberating. Because think about it. Moses didn't have the mindset to realize that even though he had a murder charge in him, they couldn't touch him because he was the Lord's. Former things have passed away and all things are made new. And so, Sonny, what we're doing is that transformation we're walking into. Help me out. We're walking into our new creation identity. Is that exciting? That I, that's exciting. You're walking into your new creation. Come on, I got the Holy Ghost all over me. You're walking into your new creation identity. You say, wait a minute, I'm already a new creation. Yeah, and you were born a baby too. You want to go back in the womb? You won't fit. You don't fit into what was. You're new. And as I dwelt on this all night long, I was relating it to different things in the military and in business and in trades. You know, we learn to do little things, but we have to get better at it. And there's an apprenticeship, and no matter what you do, some way or another, and you begin to grow up in that apprenticeship because you're working with somebody who's mentoring you and helping you, or you're watching, and you're guided by the Holy Spirit because you're a new creation. But you're still growing, and from the apprenticeship, you become a tradesperson. You're able to say, that's my trade. I can do that. But you're maybe not a master tradesperson. Maybe, Mike, you got to put on your knees and lay a little more tile to become a master of the trade. And then as you're getting good at it, all of a sudden you become a perfectionist in your trade. And once you become a perfectionist, you begin to be getting known as a maestro in what you do. But you're still not there completely because there's somebody else that can do it better than you. His name is Jesus. We're going through that process. I am so liberated and so excited that I don't have to live up to what was and I can look forward to what is. And then I get to walk that path with you and to you and to see what the Lord shall use us for. There's another thing that happens in the process of the latter days. Eternity begins to creep into the spheres of the earth and leak into all things. And pretty soon, we're calling heaven to earth and our mentality is unleashed. You've heard me say it and I want to remind you of it. The capacity of heaven is limitless abundance. Limitless abundance to the new creation walking in transformation means you can do all things through Christ. Have you ever wondered why we're not doing all things? Because we haven't changed our identity. And sometimes we have to work to get to that point. But I believe we're going to get there together. I believe you're going to get there. If you will. If you will. You know, we make a lot about grace, but grace doesn't mean that God has to give you everything. Grace means that God's going to love you as you are, and you can't earn His love and His forgiveness. But it doesn't mean that we walk in disobedience. To the contrary. That's why he tells us there's rewards. And that's why he tells us that it's important for us to understand that it's not what our rewards here on earth, but it is what they are in heaven. It's that heavenly mentality. So, let me just go through this a little bit more. Spiritual transformation is more than a shift, and it's more than an adjustment. It's not going to the spiritual chiropractor and getting this in alignment. It's saying, change me from the beginning to the bottom, from the top to the head, from the inside out, 
for whatever it is, Lord, change me. I don't want to come as Jacob and leave as half Israel and half Jacob. I don't want to come as Abram and be half Abraham. I don't want to come as Saul and be part Paul. I don't want to come and be part Jesus and part the world. I want to be changed. Radical change, Lord. Do what you will do and leech me to lay it out. Oh, does she suck It requires a submission. Radical transformation is a mindset that's liberated from every force that is constraining you from developing your new creation potential. Every one of them. You say, oh, what does it mean? Do I have to? No, you, you have to allow the Lord to do it. Sometimes we become so concerned that we need to do something this way when God says that's really not the right way but you never asked me I had to repent to him just this week because somebody's been asking me to consider something that's major and I just automatically said no 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 and and the Holy Spirit spoke to me he said you never asked me I said but Lord but okay Lord you do what you want and with me he got quiet quiet tells me He's waiting for me to get to a place because he knows I'm not ready to understand or receive yet. Sometimes God is silent. As I was praying in the middle of the night, I, I got that song, The Sounds of Silence. Silence has a sound, doesn't it? Without, without pauses in music, it, it's a blur. Without crescendos and, and descendos and whatever we call them and going all around the place. Silence has a sound. We need to become silent before God and hear the sound. And to listen before we talk and before we move. Spiritual transformation does not accept the status quo as the standard. Transformation says, yes, that was, but that's not what is. And yes, I'm going to build on that firm foundation. I'm not, I'm not at all suggesting that we discard the firm foundation of God. What I'm saying is we build upon it and we don't make it the standard. The standard is going to grow and evolve and become more in us. Even as the word of God percolates within our spirits. Transformation with new creation yields to an eternal vision that is beyond human reason and all the earthly norms and the religious norms. Just because some people have large followings and they're giving other people the formula to expect for these last days doesn't necessarily mean that's correct. <laughs> I'm not going to get off into the business of the ministry, but I'm going to tell you something. A lot of business of the ministry is going to be exposed in the next 24 months because judgment's about to begin in the house of God. When you're in transformation, your dreams are revived. How many of you have dreams that you put aside and you thought they were gone? No, they're not gone. They're revived. In that place, heaven comes to earth and you could still believe for that, that miracle that you think is impossible, that's already been denied multiple times. You can believe for the dream that God is gonna to continue to use you. You can believe that dream that Psalms tells us that no matter what our age is, the Lord will use us, and in that age, He will glorify us. Your potential is multiplied in transformation, but you have to give it up to receive it. Your capacity is abundance. Radical change in identity produces heavenly inspired and kingdom producing fruit. A radical change in identity will blossom into something so much greater than you could possibly imagine. I am sure when Abram came out of Ur, he had no clue that as Abraham, he would become the father of many nations and look up in the sky and count the stars and not even be able to know. I'm sure Jacob, who was hiding in fear and running from his brother, expecting to be murdered because he deserved it, the deceiver, became one of the patriarchs of the birth of Israel. 
the people that Jesus chose to call his people and to become the Messiah. I believe God is percolating inside of you and me and all of those who are watching to do something new and great and radical. And here's the good news. We don't have to do it alone. We can do it together. The Lord taught us about agreement. When there's agreement, when people are walking together with a vision, walking together in unity, walking together and putting their shoulders to the plow and saying, I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to hear what I hear and see what I see that does not align with God. I'm going to move on. God will do mighty things with us. When the disciples didn't get it right, what did Jesus do? He took 70 more of them and sent them out. Some of them didn't come back again because they thought his word was too tough. Jesus showed us the way. And he also said there would be a cutting away. He always said there would be a cutting away. So we need to understand that we can do it together. That the body of Christ is called to be members to do it together. And it may not be exactly what I'm thinking. It probably isn't anything that I'm thinking. And it certainly isn't going to be the way I would put things together, thank God. And it may not be the way you perceive it to be put together. But if we walk in unity, if we walk in unity and agreement and open ourselves up and say, Lord, here I am, watch what will happen because God's word is true. Heavenly fruit gets produced with radical change. Beloved, we're moving from a glory to a glory and the cloud of transformation is on the move now. It's been released. Those who will walk with it, we're going to get the benefits of the rains from the windows of heaven of transformation. But now we're told to call upon the Lord in obedience. And this is what we do. This is what he taught us to do. Not often taught. But these are the, these are the five things that the Lord told us to do. First of all, to call upon him. And in so doing, as we call upon him, the Lord says he will answer us. I call it call and encounter. Comes out of Jeremiah chapter 33, verse three. We're gonna call upon him today together in unison. We're gonna continue to call in our fast this week. He says, call to me and I will answer you. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Wow. It would do well for the body of Christ to accept that there's great and mighty things that we don't know, that we need to receive and can. He says to give. The Lord says to give. We fall short in that in many ways, beloved, in the body of Christ. Most churches, 10%, maybe 20% of the people give. I don't know what is in people's minds that they hold back from God. But I'll tell you this, for those people who want a transformation, they want to receive the abundance and blessings of God. If they're not given, you're not going to get. That's that simple. You can talk and hear this message and proclaim it and declare it and pray it and walk around. But if you aren't given, you're not going to get because that's the word of God. Malachi 3.10, listen to this. Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Listen to that. He's not talking to us to just do our own thing. He's talking us to come together, to bring our tithe into the storehouse, his storehouse, whose storehouse? His storehouse, so that he can do a new thing. Bring all your tithes that there may be food in my house. Why does the Lord need food in his house? Because just like Jesus required a few fish and some loaves, he multiplied them. Without the fish and the loaves, it would not have happened. We bring the fish and the loaves and he multiplies them. If we don't bring them, we're saying, Lord, I don't need it. I don't care. I have to do it myself. I'm not trusting you. He says, bring it into my house, says the Lord of hosts. And see, listen, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out blessings so that you won't have enough room to receive it. What is so hard to believe in that? So I asked the Lord last night, I think that was about the five o'clock prayer. Lord, why you say windows? Why not doors? Why not gates? And the Holy Spirit said to me, why is there a window? 
Well, there's a window so that it's not a wall, it's not a door. You could see through it and you could see into it and you can open it and you can close it. It sort of connects the outside with the inside. Yes, he said, that's your connector to heaven. And when I open those windows, what's in heaven pours to the outside. And when I close those windows, what's from the outside doesn't pour into heaven. Wow. How do you open those? Through the things that we're talking about. Tithing. Beloved, I don't, I don't need your money. I don't want your money. So this isn't about that. I mean, look around you. We're not that many people. If you think this church can flourish with that, something's wrong with you. But it's about you. We can't take that path and that walk together and you can't go on unless you make a change in your life and you say, I'm going to be as disciplined about me giving to God as I am about paying my electric bill. And when you do, he says, I will open the windows in heaven. And when you don't, they are closed. Oh, you might make it and you'll work hard, but guess what? That's you doing it all yourself. Then the next thing he says, Pray with faith, Matthew 21, 22. Pray with faith. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. It's so simple. But when we put them all together, it works for ourselves. And finally, Psalm 22, 3. Praise and worship. Beloved, don't diminish the power of praise and worship in your life. That's how we enter in. What he says, you who fear the Lord, praise him. You who fear the Lord, praise him. Another translation says, God inhabits the praises of his people. So what do you say? What do you say? Here's the points for our preparation. Call upon him. Give and receive. Fast and break through. Isaiah 58. Is this not the fast that I've chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. The only person who doesn't have a yoke to break is the arrogant one who thinks they've already gotten to their place of identity. I've got yokes to break. I'm not even sure what some of them are, but I'm saying, Lord, show them to me. And the ones I know, I know. I've got yokes to break. He says, fast. And there's breakthrough. Call. Prayer. Praise and worship. Fast, give, give. How generous do you want God to be? How generous are you? I don't know about you, but I'm sure glad I don't believe in a stingy God. Huh? Bless the Lord. So we're going to be handing out some stuff to you. And there's some prayer points that... Patty and I worked on together. And some of those prayer points are very powerful for you in your life. I want you to look at them. I want you to accept them. I want you to pray over them. First of all, you're going to get instructions about the fast. This fast is easy. It's really not hard. Thinking about it is harder than doing it. For me, I had a little flare-up, so the Lord sort of began my fast about two weeks ago. So I'm like, okay, that's all right. One meal a day for the first week, unless you want to get tougher. One meal a day, tidbit if you need to. Don't overdo the one meal. You know, don't eat ten ribs and two pork chops and a plate of spaghetti. You'll make it. One meal a day. Begin to cleanse your body. Get the caffeine out of your body. No soda pop. No junk food. Cleanse your body. 
the first week. The second week, fruits and vegetables. Hey, John did it with nuts and berries. Fruits and vegetables. You begin to like them. Get creative. Get creative how you make them. You won't believe what a good tomato tastes like when you haven't been eating anything else. Put a little pepper on it. Some fried zucchini. I don't know. Where you want to go? One week. In the last week, liquids. Liquids. Do what you can do with your liquids. And if you've got medical issues, this handout will speak to those for you. Don't get crazy. Do what you can do. But everybody can do something. It's an excuse that you can't. If you want to pursue God. And this week, the time that you would spend doing other things, all of this is useless if you don't make time for God in your fast. It's worthless. It doesn't mean anything. If we don't put aside time and say, Lord, this is you and me. We're just going through the motions. God's opening the window and we can't get in. Make some time for him. And when you get nudged in the middle of the night, wake up and let him speak to you and pray to you. Keep a little pad with you, a little notepad. Keep it by your bed. Walk with you. Write the little things down he tells you. Because you know what? The enemy, he'll come in and steal them back from you. Write them down. Your spirit becomes heightened and sensitized. And God's going to do a mighty work in us. We've had fasts before, but I've never sensed the importance of one like I do now and what it means to us for transformation. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited about what we're going to do. When we come out of it, it's not over. It's just begun. But we'll be on the path. And one other point. There's no condemnation in a fast. You slip up, something moves. 1 John 1, 9, right? We sin, we don't become sinners. We confess it to God. You slip a little on the fast, just jump right back in. Don't say, oh, I missed it. No, no, no. Just jump right back in. You'll be all right. And there's another thing that, you know, the, 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 the fear, that intimidation of letting people know you're fasting and you're going to somebody's house or family and you're afraid to tell them you're fasting and so you're sneaking the food to the dog so they don't know you're not eating. Don't worry. Be honest. You don't wear it on your sleeve and tell the world, but you say, you know what, I'm setting some time aside fasting with God. Thank you. I can't go to dinner with you tonight. But we'll get back together in a few weeks. That, that's, that's not what Jesus meant. What he meant was don't think that that's going to make him owe you anything or that's going to make you better than somebody else. He didn't ask us to be deceivers in our fast. So it's okay. Be you, be real, be genuine. Allow God to do a mighty thing. 